neography or or maybe neography ne there's probably no other real ways to say that and it's probably neography because it feels like we we do that a lot telegraphy not telegraphy right telepathy not te tele telepathy <laughs> Um, this is a word that's new to me, neography, which is ironically about kind of new words. Um, it's about novel writing systems, not writing systems that go into books, but creating new writing systems, creating new sil uh, syllables or new, uh, I'm tired, creating new symbols. And I, I ran across this after, for whatever reason, deciding I wanted to, to wander through Reddit. Um, I like Reddit. I'm not saying anything bad about it. It's just that it's yet another source of infinite um, entertainment, infinite everything, another source of infinity. And I, I know better. There are many of those and, and <laughs> really should not pay any attention to any of those late at night. And then, and part of it is, of course, the turnover of the information. I have all kinds of books and I could stick my head into a book for a couple of hours and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be feeling the same infinite scale. It would be, you know, a single task as opposed to multitasking or whatever. But nonetheless, I, for whatever reason, um, started to wander through my Reddit, um, front page or whatever it is. And there was an article and I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the journey, which is also kind of interesting to me. The, 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 the subreddit I was looking at was about uh, bullet journaling because I've always been fascinated with that. And there's a whole lot of different variations on, on the process of it. I was also reading a few posts on commonplace books and there were bullet journaling things on the, the efficient parts of bullet journaling versus the artistic parts. This was definitely in the artistic parts. It was someone celebrating that they'd finally gotten back into bullet, into journaling. It wasn't really specifically bullet journaling, but, but they had this beautiful two page spread image. And it was beautiful. It had all kinds of symbols. It was incomprehensible because they had created their own symbology. And in fact, I think I have seen a TikTok by the same person. Someone commented, you wouldn't happen to be the same person who did those videos on TikTok. And the guy said, yes, I haven't gone and verified that that's actually the person. But I have seen videos like this before where someone was developing their own symbol system. And I've seen a few of those, actually. And in the responses to this, someone said, well, then you're familiar with neography. And I don't know whether the original poster said yes or someone else was responding. Because you know how if you, if you know Reddit, it is basically a chain of posts. And one can one can view it like a a tree, either up or down, you can either go from the base of the tree down to the roots, or you can go from the, the trunk of the tree up to the branches. Either way, the the, uh, the 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 comments all branch off from that central point, and sub comments branch off from that, and so forth. It's it's an, it's, a, it's a remarkably common model, <laughs> uh, the sort of tree tree branching model. It was one of the fundamental models of computer science as well, and one of the fundamental data structures. Anyway, um, and they mentioned a website. It's uh, neography.info, I think is the one I'm looking at right now, 
which is essentially a stepping point, a, a, a welcome mat for people who want to create their own languages or, or create their own symbology. It could actually be English that you're, that you're describing, uh, although they do mention, and not surprising, uh, Tolkien with his Tengwar, which I remember from Lord of the Rings. And I remember, and somewhere I still have, this massive omnibus of the Lord of the Rings in which it has all of the addenda at the back. It has the the full, it's the annotated version. So there's all kinds of of footnotes, including, I think there's an entire appendix on Tengwar in that one. And that was Tolkien's uh, writing system for the language it created, because Tolkien was a an overachiever. Um, arguably, he built the entire uh, Lord of the Rings uh, multiverse or megaverse uh, just so that he could play around with languages, <laughs> which is which is amazing. And of course, uh, he created in some ways the symbolic language of fantasy. Um, so many things are derived from Tolkien fantasy. Um, I was playing AD, uh, D&D earlier. I almost said AD&D. Well, that's, that's aging me. Playing D&D earlier. And D&D is, is clearly based on, you know, the, the, the model that he created. And we need to have newer models. And there are some attempts to do that. And I, I haven't been reading broadly in fantasy for a long time. I haven't been reading broadly ever probably. And again, while I was suggesting that reading books is not the infinite task that reading Reddit is, the reality is there's enough books published and, and enough authors, enough genres, enough subgenres that I will never finish. So, you know, it is an infinite task and I have to accept that and have to draw my boundaries somewhere. But I, I find this interesting. I, I, I don't know if I did a full symbol set, sort of, back in the Commodore 64 days. So this would have been probably the early to mid-80s, I think, is when I was involved. I think I think Commodore 64 was out in the, the 82, I think, or something like that. So that date comes to mind. I didn't have mine off the first you know run because, good Lord, they were expensive. Uh, look at me. I didn't even have my own for a long time. I was using the one that was at the school. But one of the things you could do, um, which I did numerous times, was you could actually create your own font. Um, you could take, I think they were probably 8 by 8 squares, 8 by 8 pixel squares, and you could create whatever combination of symbols you wanted in that space. And then with some effort, uh, you could load them up and use them. Um, it wasn't simple. It wasn't easy, but you could easily, you could do it. I, I was going to say we could easily do it, but that's not the point. Sorry. I'm also tired and slurring my words and I'm, I really should be in bed by now. Um, so that was one of the ways in which I was involved in that. It was early pixel art. Um, and I remember designing all kinds of, of weird, you know, pixel fonts. They may have been 16 by 16. It may have been that big. I don't know. Trying to make them, you know, look futuristic or fantastic or whatever. Um, and, and, and certainly in some of the playing around I've done, um, generally in terms of world design, 
for role-playing games, particularly the fantasy ones, not really so much for anything science fiction or or horror or whatever, but really fantasy ones are the, the it is the, the genre in which you kind of can create whatever you want. And it only has to be internally consistent. It doesn't have to jive with anything you really know in the real world. Um, but I'm sure that I had designed my own my own symbols for that. In fact, I I know I have symbols for magic, symbols for elements of the world. I I don't remember if I did that for Omatia. Omatia is the sort of the big world that I've been playing in, running in for the last decade or so. Um, I've I've run I'm on my second campaign in that world, and I I it was a world where I did take the time to 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 map out the continents and or sort of map out what's the equivalent of continents in Omatia, uh map out the the different gods that were in the pantheon and and um, the sort of higher realms and stuff like that. And I'm I'm sure that I added symbols at some point for each of the gods. Um, but this this neography, um, it's really interesting, and I, I I know it's another yet another hobby I don't need to indulge myself in, but it is tempting um, because they actually make it really easily easily easy to get involved. This this website um, basically has a free straightforward course in in doing it. They have a background on writing systems, a background on phonetics, how to create a script, design showcases terminology and community like it's all right there which is really kind of neat and and there's something about that which i'm i'm you know i i come from the volunteer world in many ways uh, i work in campus-based community radio which is all driven by volunteers i am a staff member there but i was a volunteer for many years and staff always end up volunteering more time than their their staff uh, hours would be allotted to but there's something about the the coming together and creating greater things, um, which I really love about what's been done here. There's also clearly some people who've taken a lot of interest in this, and they've taken a lot of design interest in this, and they're making it look really, really good. And it's that kind of volunteer spirit. It's that kind of that kind of cooperative spirit. It's that kind of um, almost open source creativity and joy that I, I love and I want to inspire in others. I, I really want to. Years and years ago, and this will be a, a super quick story because I want to end this quickly, but years and years and years ago, back when websites were kind of becoming a thing and becoming a thing as in, as in anybody could have a website. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, uh, that expensive. I still, I don't know if I still have the domains or not, but I picked up a few dom- domains with a sort of pie-eyed vision of creating, uh, of being very, being started from being very tired of um, commercial ownership of ideas. Um, you know, I don't know because I remember if there was a particular example of what I was angry about, but essentially it, it bothered me that good ideas, perhaps even fundamental or world-changing ideas, could be so locked up with a particular corporate capitalist interest that the true benefits to mankind would be lost. That, um, you know, and we've seen this in some ways with proprietary um, feature solutions to to problems. 
Um, and we've also seen the, the opposite response. One that comes to mind was um, a little while ago, a pill bottle that was designed um, to be easier to open for people who have, I forget what it was. I think it was Parkinson's or something like that. It, it, a motor neuron problem, essentially. And their pills that they would take came in a bottle, which they could not open easily. So that, that went out there and the open source community or whatever you want to call designer community said, well, we can fix this. Created a design. The design was refined by dozens, probably others. Um, and then eventually turned into a 3d model. And then people across North America started printing it. Maybe even across the world started printing it for free or, or for cost um, for people who needed it. And so the problem, uh, the solution was quickly, um, creative commons licensed, uh, and put out there so anybody could do it. Um, and it was kind of the, a complete and delightful counterexample to the corporate ownership of ideas. So I had a, a website that I had briefly created, but never really got a chance to put anything behind it. It was, it was, it was as much a, a pipe dream that I kind of hoped other people would be inspired by. Uh, but it was called Fix Ideas or Free Idea Inter Exchange. Free Idea Exchange, uh, Fix. And uh, um, it's in that vein that I see stuff like this where people have – I was going too narrow. Mine was just whatever idea. Um, come up with a good idea, come up with a solution. Anybody can use the idea. By putting the idea there, it is automatically put in the, into the Creative Commons. That was the idea. And people do that now. Creative Commons is very viral in the good way. Um, when you create something with Creative Commons, it stays in Creative Commons. Uh, we're seeing how uh, in the D&D community or in the in at least the D&D creation um, by Hasbro and Wizard of the Coast, that's what they're – that's essentially where they're putting part of, the, part of their stuff into now is the Creative Commons license, which is a lot more sticky than the original OGL. But this, I don't know, there's something inspiring about this, about the idea of this effort being made collectively. Uh, now, it could be all one person. I don't know. Um, I've only just started looking at it. And, and honestly, I probably don't have the time to dig in on depth on it anyway. I will hopefully walk away with at least the word neography and the, the idea that I can create my own symbology or my own, my own uh, linguistic representation. Whether I actually ever do it or not, I don't know. Maybe you will. Maybe you're going to go to neography.info, I guess it is, and find out that it's the most fantastic thing and you go off to create things. Or maybe you find out it's truly shallow and it's just, you know, representing uh, a pathway for some capitalist venture to overtake and overthrow and absorb in your, uh, in your, your creations. I don't know. Probably not. But uh, I've been wondering out loud. I'm Mark Dean Caffeinated One. Truly, um, there is no pathway of logic here. There is a moment in time which I try to embellish and um, like like a seed in a crystal vat or like a a uh, a seed number in a random number generator. That's all what that's all that really happens. Sometimes the random number gen numbers generated repeat themselves. Sometimes they repeat themselves. Sometimes they repeat themselves. And every once in a while, there's something different. So I'll try for something different again tomorrow. Who knows? By repeating myself, most likely. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.